You're listening to the Live 360 Podcast with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode 50. All right, guys, let's jump into it today. Um, I am on a little bit more of a serious note today. Um, You can probably already tell that I'm just kind of easing into today's teaching because I'm going to be sharing 13 things about my dad, things about my dad. Two weeks ago, um, as of tomorrow, as I am recording this podcast, my father passed away from complications with covid in Cleveland, Tennessee, there in the hospital. And uh, what a two weeks it's been. Uh, Emotional. But I've remembered so many things that my dad was and did and said. And uh, we just had his funeral this past week on Monday. Uh, Beautiful service. Amazing service. So many people packed it out. I mean, the church was packed out. My dad had an a tremendous impact and influence on many people. He served 28 years in the United States Air Force, and uh, he was buried and sent off with honors at the Chattanooga National Cemetery, one of the most powerful and beautiful services I've ever had the privilege of being a part of, watching how everything was done. My dad was a man of honor, and we did our best to honor him. And of course, I was asked to preach, to speak, at my dad's funeral. And I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult. It was one of the most difficult messages I've had to bring. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time studying, but I spent a whole lot of time remembering things that my dad showed me and taught me and things that he said and did. And that's of course what this podcast episode is all about. Things about my dad. He uh, is still speaking from the grave right now. His life is still speaking. You know, whenever I'm asked to sing at a funeral, preach at a funeral, speak or have anything to do with a funeral, I pray for a word from God. You know, anytime I preach the word, I want to have a word from God. I don't want to just have scriptures and a sermon. I've always believed that you study to get a sermon, but you pray to get a word. And I believe that if there's ever a time people need to hear a word from God, friends, family, loved ones, it's at a funeral because that is the last time that that physical body is going to be present on this earth. It's going to go under the ground. What remains is never going to be seen again until Jesus splits that Eastern sky and comes to claim us to take us home. But we need a word from God at a funeral. And one of the scriptures I pray a lot is Colossians 4, 3 and 4. Every time I preach, every time I get on the pulpit, I pray what Paul prayed and spoke to the Colossian church. He said that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And even at a funeral, some way, somehow, I want to point people to Jesus. And as I was praying to the Lord during that final week, right before the funeral, I I couldn't sleep. I was up all night. It was exhausting, but I just thought of so many things. Memories flooded my mind, dozens upon dozens of things my dad said and did and 
what he meant to me 50 episodes ago. My first episode of Live 360 was about the COVID pandemic. I started this podcast in the middle of a COVID pandemic, and here I am sharing some things about my dad who passed away from complications from COVID. And let me say right now, COVID did not win. COVID lost because heaven gained a soul. And when a saint dies, nothing takes their life. They enter into heaven. It was their time. I know this was my dad's time. So as I was preparing to speak at this funeral, I was asking God, God, give me a word. And no sooner did those words leave my mouth that I had the word that God wanted me to speak. The Lord simply spoke this to my heart. He said, look to his life, look to his life, look at his life and you'll see things that will still speak. And every time a saint goes into that ground, their life still has a message. My dad today, even after his funeral a week later, his life is still speaking to me. God is still showing me things and unveiling secrets and revelations, not just about my dad, but about himself. And so we have hope that when a saint dies, their life is still going to preach a powerful message. And if I can just share with you things about my dad that I pray will speak to you, and I pray that will touch your life, I pray that will encourage you and point you to Jesus. So let's talk about 13 things about my dad. All right, number one, my dad was a true gentleman. He was a true gentleman. My dad had such a calm and cool and collected demeanor, loving and gentle and patient. It's amazing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 22, what is most desirable in a man is his kindness. And my dad was a kind man. Um, What makes you a man is not your skill set, your physical strength, your appearance, your status, how much money you make your most admirable quality to others will be your kindness you know my dad was always about the person in front of them he was always asking questions and finding out about the other person and not talking about himself but truly interested in other people and when he talked to them he made it about them and they felt good in his presence all these people that spoke of him Um, at our funeral and viewing that came up to me said, your dad was just such a wonderful man. He was always concerned about me and always asked me how I was doing. And, and, you know, a true leader, if I can speak to leaders for a minute, you know, you're not going to impress your people by what you know and your years of experience and your talent. What people remember most about you is how you make them feel when you're in their presence. My dad was a true gentleman and he was gentle and, you know, his life points to Jesus. You know, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart. Come take my yoke upon you. Rest, learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was never harsh with people until it came to religious people who put burdens on other people. That's when he displayed his his anger. When Jesus was with his followers, he always spoke kindly to them and gentle toward them, never a harsh word. And my dad personified that. He was a true gentleman. You know, even this past week, I've been thinking about my dad a lot when I come up to other people. I want to be gentle. I want to be kind. 
And I've got a long way to go, but I'm thankful for my dad's non-condemning spirit and attitude about being a gentleman. I don't feel condemned when I think about my dad's gentle heart. I feel inspired by it, that I can be just a little more like my dad so that I can point others to Jesus. You know, a gentle heart will be the best testimony that you can bring to other people. Man, if you're listening to me out there, your strength and pounding your chest and being the brood and being the chief of your home and of your you know, your office or wherever it is you display your leadership. Always remember that what is most desirable in a man is his kindness. All right. Number two, my dad couldn't wait for me to be his son. My dad couldn't wait for me to be his son. You see, I was adopted. And for many years when I was very young, first and second grade, my dad and mom, which was my aunt and uncle, by the way, Uncle Frank and Aunt Glenda adopted me and I became their son. And I remember back in the second grade when my dad was trying to take us into custody, but there was a holdup in the courts. But I remember my dad sitting me on his knee when I was in the second grade at Gunter Air Force Base in Alabama. He sat me on his knee and I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he said, Tony, I can't wait for you to be our son. He really couldn't wait. He tried to do everything he could for a span of a few years. He even changed his military assignments so that he could stay in the States. He had opportunities to go overseas with the family, but he said, I can't go over there because I won't be able to bring Tony and his brother Eric into our home. So they built their life and career and their assignments and where they lived in the United States, trying to get to us and trying to bring us into their home. You know, I was a little boy in a very, very broken home situation, very, very bad situation. And my dad wanted to get me out of that and bring me into his home. So he pursued me. He pursued me through life, through career, through military assignments. He adjusted his life to bring me into his home. And eventually it happened when I was in the ninth grade, when the adoption was final. And it reminds me so much about what Jesus did. You know, Jesus did everything that it took to pursue us, even giving his life. It says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us and he pursued us. Ephesians 1 and 6 says, by grace, you have been accepted into the beloved. You know, I didn't deserve to have a home. I was just a little runt kid, but my dad couldn't wait to have me as his son. You know, contrary to popular belief, Jesus did not have to die for us. He was not obligated. He didn't look down and say, look at those poor, pitiful people. You know, I I just have to give my life for them. No, no, no. He didn't feel sorry for us. He loved us. He was driven by love, not by pity. He was driven by love, true, genuine love, and gave me a new name and a new family. And my dad modeled that same love. He couldn't wait for me to be his son. And if you're listening to this podcast today and you're a prodigal son, maybe you're somewhere where you feel like God is no longer your father and Jesus is no longer your elder brother and you've been cast out. My friend, you are not disowned. You might be displaced, but you are not disowned. You are still a son. You are still a daughter. And I want you to hear Jesus say to you, I can't wait for you to come home. God is saying to you right now, I can't wait for you to come home. You are my son. 
And for those of you who are listening and you're not born again, you've never received Jesus into your life. I want you to hear God say, I can't wait for you to be my son. You see, my dad modeled the heart and love of God. By saying those words to me, he branded the heart of God's love on my life by making a simple statement. I can't wait for you to be my son. Hey, I just want to take a little pause right here about halfway to remind you to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a generous review. And please share this with one or two other people in your circle of relationships who need to hear what you're hearing today. Maybe you have more than one or two people you can share this with. Maybe you have some friends in your life that are fathers and husbands and upcoming uh, fathers. Um, I want you to let them listen to this podcast. I truly believe it will inspire them. I want my dad's life to speak to men everywhere um, as it has spoken to me. And again, I am asking you to go as soon as this podcast is over, go and give us a review, hit five stars on there and tell us what you think and share this. Because when you do that, it increases our potential to reach more people and help them discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life to the fullest. And so let's jump back into uh, today's podcast, Things About My Dad. All right, number three, my dad brought us to church. We were in church all of the time, day and night. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We had Monday Bible studies, and then we had Tuesday auxiliaries, and then we had Wednesday midweek with youth um, in another room and the adults in Bible study on Wednesday. And, you know, when, when evangelists or preachers would come through, we'd be in church every day of the week, five-day revivals. They don't do that much anymore, but I grew up in church and you know my dad didn't let us sleep in church as little kids we didn't get to draw on the floor we had to sit in the seat and listen to the preacher we had to get involved we had to put money in the offering plate we had to be involved we had to dress up to go to church and bring our best and you know as a teenager it got on my nerves i was like man i don't want to be in church all the time you know and church 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 and i despised it a little bit but my dad didn't care we went to church i remember one particular Sunday when my dad told us to dress up and we were going to be rebellious and just wear our casual clothes. And my dad was patient. But the one time out of maybe two or three times that I ever saw my dad get frustrated and angry was when we didn't dress up for church on Sunday morning. We thought we was going to be cool. And my dad came down the hallway like a ball of fire and said, I told you boys to dress up, get your ties on get your dress clothes on and let's go to church. And me and my brother, man, we got dressed as fast as we could. (laughs) My dad didn't get angry often, but when he did, he meant business. It had a purpose behind it. And my dad, by bringing us to church, instilled a faith in me. You know, I love church now. I love being in church. Even though your teenagers and your kids may not express a desire to go, take them to church, get them in the house of God, raise them in the word of God, especially the new covenant, teach them the new covenant of grace, point them to Jesus, tell them that their sins are forgiven once and for all, and that they will never lose their salvation and that they have an eternal hope in Jesus and raise them in the love of Jesus and 
the new covenant. Teach them the word. Have them devour the word. Give them, pass on to them a passion for the word of God and raise them in church. Don't be ashamed of it. I don't care how many days it's open. Get them there when you can. I would rather have my kids in church any day than making friends with a bunch of bozos in their high school going to God knows where and being and doing all kinds of things that you have no idea today. Listen, high school is a place of wickedness. There is a total difference in today's youth than when I was growing up. Get your kids in church. Church isn't perfect. Church isn't the end all be all, but it's sure a lot better than some of the places your kids would rather be. But you be a man and take your kids to church and teach them to love church. And if you can, with all that you can, don't speak evil of your pastors and your leaders. Don't speak evil of your church. You know, your kids are going to pick up what you say. Guys, the church is a place of drama. The church is like Noah's Ark, right? It's messy. It's bumpy, it's stinky, but bro, it's a protection from the elements outside. Don't you know Noah's Ark was full of drama and full of noise and full of irritations and mess and smell, and it was bumpy and wavy and rocky, and, but it was a place of refuge and safety from the storm. You know, your church, your local church isn't perfect because it's got imperfect people in it. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you're not going to find it because you are there. People are people, but God doesn't use anybody else. He uses broken people and that's it. We all have issues and we all have faults. We're saved. Yes, we're on our way to heaven. We're blameless and pure and saved as saved can be, but we still have faults. We still have issues. We still have character flaws and inconsistencies in our attitude and behavior. And that's church is full of those kind of people. But my dad still brought us to church and man, I'm so glad he did. And I'm so glad he taught us to bring our best when we go there. Dad, take your kids to church and teach them the importance of it. And when they get old, the Bible says, when you train a child in the way he should go, when you train a child where he should go, when he is older, when she is older, they will not depart from it. All right. Number four, My dad was a man of excellence. My dad was a man of excellence. You know, little things mattered to my dad. You know, my dad was the guy that wanted the door shut, the lights off, the rooms clean, the beds made. When he taught me to cut grass, he taught me to cut it in patterns and not to miss anything and to edge and to weed eat and to make it nice and make it sharp and don't just haphazardly run the lawnmower over the grass, but trim it and make it look nice and take some pride in it. You know, today I'm the guy that runs around the house. I want the door shut. I want the lights off. I want the rooms clean, the beds made, the clothes put away. When I was teaching my son to cut grass back in high school, I wanted it cut just like my dad showed me. And I wanted... More than that, for my son to be conscientious about things. You know, that's what my dad was trying to teach us, to be conscientious, to do things with excellence, to do things right, not to do things haphazard, but to do things in such a way that if the president came and inspected it, it would be right. All right. We got to do things right. Be conscientious about your life and what you do and how you produce things. If you're in school, Shoot for the best. Don't be lazy. Do things right. Be conscientious about things. Be thorough. 
excellence is a spirit. And some people just don't care about how things look. They just care about, you know, kind of getting it finished and then running away, you know. And I'll even speak to my daughter. I said, when you clean the kitchen, don't just put the dishes in the dishwasher, but make sure the sink is empty and make sure the sink is clean and wipe off the cabinets and make sure the stove is wiped off and clean without grease everywhere. And, you know, make the kitchen look presentable. Don't just do the dishes, but clean the kitchen. Do the whole thing. And those are little things that when you grow up, you think, man, why do I have to do this? But there's an intrinsic lesson we learn in that to be conscientious, to care about details. My dad was a man of details. You know, he was a military man for 28 years and he liked details. And he taught me that the details are important. Some people say, I don't sweat the small stuff. No, sweat the small stuff care about the details because it's a composite or coming together of fine details that makes a finished product. So care about your details. I'm very conscientious and sometimes borderline perfectionist. And I got to be careful on that because there's no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing. You're trying to do something that's impossible. You have to learn when to put a bow on it (laughs) and present it. You know, it's done. Okay, we've done, done the best I can. Quit obsessing about it. I'm not talking about being obsessive. I'm talking about just being excellent, wanting it done right, wanting it to be presentable and beautiful and excellent in every way. My dad was a man of excellence, and I'm so glad that he imparted that spirit of excellence into my life. Oh man, that's all the time we have for today. I hope my dad's life is speaking to you right now. I hope the things that my dad taught me is speaking through me and touching you and helping you and encouraging you. And again, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a generous review. Give us five stars and tell us what you think. And then share this podcast with one or two other people, maybe more, especially men, fathers, husbands, fathers-to-be, husbands-to-be who could benefit from what you've been listening to today. I'm going to be back next week with part two of things about my dad. And until then, we'll see you.